0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Maximilian, today the Lord Jesus gives you an even more wonderful name than your parents. (laughs) He, He calls you righteous. He lavishes on you all the gifts that he won on the cross. And now you are marked as his child with a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. But that is the end of the sermon. <laughs> we got to start at the beginning. Where Jesus is preaching to us from Matthew uh, chapter 5. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And he was preaching from the side of a hill in uh, by Capernaum, a beautiful spot we were there it the, 's uh, uh, so peaceful with the kind of grass there, and it makes a natural amphitheater and the Sea of Galilee is in the background. The only thing is someone uh, drove their van and it wrecked right in the middle so there 's an old rusty van right in the in the valley where this happened i don 't think that was there when Jesus was preaching it 's a beautiful setting for a terrible sermon. Not terrible in a bad way, but terrible in a terrifying way. Because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and especially these texts that we have here, is is tearing the mask off of Moses. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses would go into the tabernacle to pray and to have a word from the Lord, and he would come out, and his face would be glowing, and the people were terrified for two reasons. One, because his face was glowing, and second, Hebrew tells us because that glowing face was faded, fading, the glory was fading. So Moses would Moses would put a uh, a veil over his face to hide the the this this glory, the holiness of God, which was radiating from his own face. And Jesus comes along in the sermon and he takes that veil off. If you thought that Moses was friendly, if you thought that Moses was if you thought that Moses was preaching with a smile on his face, that Jesus lifts the mask and tells you otherwise. And our reaction to hearing these words of Jesus should probably be something like the reaction of the people in Exodus 19 when they hear God preaching from glory, preaching the Ten Commandments. In fact, I think this Exodus 19 is the only time that God speaks directly to the people in, in all of the five books of Moses. Every other time he speaks to Moses, or he speaks to Aaron, or he speaks to Moses and Aaron. But in Exodus 19, the Lord stands on Mount Sinai as his pulpit, and he thunders a sermon out for them, and the sermon is the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's home. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's workers, your neighbor's animals, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Boom! with lightning and thunder and trumpets and all of the accompanying things needed to make this an impressive sermon. And the people, after having heard this sermon, cry out to Moses, Exodus 19, You go talk to God for us. We can't bear to hear His voice. It's, it's too terrible for us. Too terrifying for us. Too harsh. The law is too much. We cannot keep it. We cannot be righteous. We cannot attain the holiness and perfection that the law requires. Moses, you go and come and talk to us and cover your face. Now, a long time had passed between God's sermon on Mount Sinai and and now the Sermon of Jesus on the Mount, and the Pharisees had really perfected this veil of Moses. They had managed to soften God's law to such a degree that they could think that they kept it. In fact, the Pharisees and the scribes had dedicated their lives to this, to obedience to the law, to keeping it in every possible way. So that when Jesus says, and I, I just... I imagine this reaction and it makes me laugh every time. See if you guys can get there. When Jesus says to the crowds gathered there, which included the normal people who looked up to the scribes and Pharisees, and the scribes and Pharisees, which looked down on the normal people because they were righteous, when Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, that the scribes and the Pharisees would have had to say, Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> You see, Jesus was saying that their righteousness was the top, the cream of the crop. They were the best. They were the holy ones. They were the ones that, if you were looking at everyone, they were the ones that had kept the law most fully, that had, like we said, dedicated their entire lives to this keeping of the law. They were the paradigm of righteousness. And Jesus says, that's not enough. Your righteousness has to be more than that. It has to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. (laughs) they thought that they had set the bar so high that no one else could jump over it but them. And Jesus says, not high enough, not holy enough, not perfect enough, not good enough. And then he goes to explain what it is. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. I say to you that if you call your brother a fool, you've murdered him. If you say, Raka, you're guilty of hellfire. If you are angry with your brother, you've broken the law. Now, uh I think the way to think about this is um the image, the picture that I have is a thermometer but like a th- like a thermometer that we have on the little elevator fundraising thing you know you start with $0 and someone puts in $2 and it you know do 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 and you're you know halfway there or whatever it is now this ele- this thermometer goes up and down and if you think of the fifth commandment in this way you have at the top of the commandment something like genocide mass murder Right below that would be would be uh, uh murdering someone uh you know shooting them or stabbing them or just you know something incredibly uh cold blooded uh, below that would be assault below assault would be something like brawling below brawling would be oh, i don't know you guys can fill in the uh, something like uh uh outbursts of rage uh having a short temper uh anger cursing, and then down at the very bottom is bitterness in the heart. Now, uh, that, that's where it starts and it grows almost like a seed and and it and the sin gets bigger and fuller. Now, here's the point of this, is that all of us have a line that in our conscience where we feel our sin and we don't feel our sin. And probably for each one of us, it's a different place. Most of us, I hope, would feel incredibly guilty in our conscience if we killed somebody. But some of us don't feel guilty when we lash out in anger and rage. Or, or all of us, I suspect, have difficulty feeling the guilt of our sin when we get angry with someone. After all, they probably deserved it, right? Now, that line of the, of the hardening of your conscience is the line that the devil uses to help you establish your own righteousness, And it's something like this. Well, I've been angry, but at least I've never murdered someone. See that? So that you can begin to excuse your own sin. Jesus goes on in the very next part of the sermon and he says, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. I say to you, if you uh, if you look at if a man looks at a woman with lust in his eyes, then he's committed adultery in his heart so that that line where we say well at least i haven't committed adultery that uh that whatever that is that we use to excuse ourselves jesus is erasing that uh w- whatever sort of protection that you have on your conscience whatever sort of excuse that you would use to say that you have in some way kept the law jesus is assaulting that he's pulling the mask off of moses so that you hear the preaching of the law in in its fullness If you've been angry, you are a murderer. If you've looked with lust, you are an adulterer. If you've been greedy, you are a thief. If you've thought deceit in your heart, you are a liar. If you've even imagined using, misusing God's name, you are a blasphemer. If you've been rebellious, you've broken the fourth commandment and dishonored God and your parents. If you've, if you've missed church or even wanted to, now you become a Sabbath breaker. And if you've begun to fear or love or trust in anything other than God, then you have become an idolater. Guilty, says Jesus, of the fires of hell. However high your standard is of keeping the law, and of judging yourself to be righteous, Jesus says, it is not high enough. You are guilty. Really guilty. Uh, condemned to hell kind of guilty. None of this, well, at least I didn't do that. Or at least I'm not as bad as those pagan people who are living down the street from me or not coming to church on Sunday morning. At least I keep my sin on the inside where no one sees it and it doesn't hurt anybody. None of that. Not with Jesus. You, you have not earned entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, nobody has. So we hear the full preaching of Moses His anger, His fuming, God's wrath poured out on us, not from Moses, but from Jesus. He was kind and meek and gentle. Jesus is the one blasting away at your own righteousness, blasting away at your false judgment of your own sin, blasting away at all of your attempts to excuse yourself or justify yourself or somehow attain a righteousness in your own eyes. Jesus is blasting away because he knows the worst of all, the worst sin that we cling to is this sin of the scribes and Pharisees and this sin of your sinful flesh, the sin of pride, of thinking that you're good enough for God, thinking that you've accomplished something to make him happy, of thinking that you have somehow attained a righteousness that means that you will get into heaven. It is not the case. So Jesus attacks it so that he can rescue you. Because this righteousness that he's talking about, the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, is not your righteousness. (laughs) It is not the righteousness of the law. It is not a righteousness that you can attain by works. It is not something that you can do in this life. The righteousness that Jesus is talking about, this exceeding righteousness, is his own righteousness. His perfection, his keeping of the law. His active obedience and passive obedience to the Ten Commandments. His always honoring God and everyone in his heart. His righteousness, which is given to you as a gift. Now, says St. Paul, a righteousness apart from the law has appeared. The righteousness of faith. So that when you... Now, and this is an incredibly amazing sort of thing. And almost Unbelievable. When you trust in Christ, when you believe that His promise of forgiveness is for you, then the Lord Jesus imputes to your account His perfection. He gives to you His righteousness. He calls you holy, perfect, wonderful. In fact, uh, Paul says it like this. Uh, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So that you, dear saints, you, Maximilian and the baptized, you are considered by God to be as holy as He is, as perfect as He is. You are given a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, that exceeds that even of Adam and Eve. You are given the righteousness of God himself. And by this, you have entered the kingdom of heaven. God be praised. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.